Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood and welcome to Faith and Family. Thank you for joining us as we wind up our series on worldview with question number seven. And in this series, we have seven questions from which to explore answers that will give both parents and their children the foundation of a Christian worldview. Question seven is this, what's really happening in our world? And this is our final question in the series, but please be assured I haven't forgotten my promise to have a special show after this series is over next next episode in which we will go through age-specific resources to assist parents in teaching worldview to their children. So we're actually going to have an eighth broadcast in this series, but today we're, we're winding it up with what's really happening in our world. And this is the show of all shows If you have a teenager or a young adult, or even a child who's going to be a teenager or a young adult, this is what really needs to be instilled in their lives, or else in the day in which we're living, they could be easily led astray. So what's happening in our world? You go to some universities, and they will tell you that mankind's on some type of path of evolutionary development, that will eventually lead to some type of unified humanity in a picture-perfect world. Or if you find one of these leftover Marxist professors, they'll tell you that the world is developing into a classless society, but eh, a lot of people have kind of been there, done that, aren't quite taken with that. Here is what's happening in our world. But before we do that, just for a moment, We need to back up and look at the worldview of what's happening in our world that the Jews held before Jesus came and at the time he came. And it was relatively simple. As I mentioned last week, creation was very good, but now this creation that God made very good has really become, in a sense, an old creation, a defective creation. It's it's marred by sin, but this isn't the permanent state of this world because the Jews looked forward to a new creation. And we saw some scriptures of that in our last episode, Isaiah 60, Isaiah 65, peace, health, harmony, no death, no war. I mean, it's the world that everybody would like to see that's coming in the new creation. So if I could paint this picture for you, the old vision, the older worldview is you had the first creation and then eventually sometime at the end of the course of this world, we actually transition to a new creation, but surprise, surprise, it will be on a new earth. Now, with the coming of Jesus, there was what I call the very big surprise. And the surprise is this, there's an intermediate stage of human history. 
between the old creation, the creation that's fallen that we're living in, and the new heavens and the new earth, which is actually coming at when after Christ returns at the second coming, between these two fixed points, today, right now, as you're hearing my voice, we're living in an intermediate stage of human history. And this is kind of a a mystery because there are many Christians who actually have no concept of what is happening. This is the most significant thing happening on this planet at this stage of human history. And if you want a really good scripture for this, it's 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. And this is one that once you start digesting it, it will change your view of the world. It will change your view of who you are and what are we doing here. And here's 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, how do you get in Christ? If you're baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, you are in Christ. So again, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You know, a lot of folks, and I'm talking about both Protestants and Catholics, think that being a Christian is something to do with showing up in church every Sunday. But that's kind of it. No, being a Christian should deeply and profoundly affect not only how you view your spending your Sunday mornings, but your entire week, your entire life, and not just what goes on in the church building, but what goes on at home, the workplace, international affairs, everything. Because what St. Paul is saying is that if you are baptized, you are in Christ. Now, we know that when Jesus rose from the dead, he entered into his new humanity. He shared our humanity, but when he was raised from the dead, his body took on new characteristics. We don't know exactly what they are, but his body was fitted, so to speak, before the new heavens and the new earth will come in the future. He was the first fruits of all of that. And what this is saying, if we're in Christ, if we're joined profoundly at the core of our being through baptism, we are joined with Christ. This is saying that we are now sharing the new creation already, right now, in this present intermediate state. And so really what you have going on there are two groups of humanity living on this planet. And a lot of Christians think, what are you talking about? If you are in Christ, the new creation has come. Now, granted, the world we're living in is the world, it's the fallen world, okay? Uh, our bodies, uh, you get older, you know, your bones start to ache and, you know, various things aren't working quite as well as they should. Okay, that's still the same. 
but that entire inside of us has already profoundly been unified with Christ. And if what I'm talking about here sounds like like I'm talking in Chinese and you're not Chinese, well then you really need to penetrate your faith because walking with Christ is something that really affects your whole view of how you are living your life. In in studying biblical prophecy, and some of you may already know I have a, a, a series of radio shows called Luke 21 Radio, and I've taught people that in eschatology, and eschatology is study of last things. Eschatos is last in Greek. So you're studying the last things. But when you're studying the last things, it's not simply things that are happening in the future. Because the big surprise of Christianity is that for the Christian baptized who is in Christ, the future has already come into the present in this intermediate stage of human history. Somebody might say, wow, that's really something. Did you just come up with that? No, this is Christianity 101. Perhaps if you would make a list of the five most important books outside of the Bible for Christians ever written, certainly St. Augustine's City of God would be on that list of the top five books. And what I have just tried to describe as best I could for the average person is the primary theme on his big book, The City of God. Because in the city of God, St. Augustine teaches that there are two simultaneous existing societies. One he calls the city of God. Those are the people of God. That's the church. And there also coexisting is the city of man. And if you could view Rome, Rome uh, being the center of the Catholic Church, Rome being the center of the Roman Empire, you have these two even in the same city. And basically, St. Augustine says these two are in conflict with each other. Now, (laughs) that was a nervous laugh. What is happening today is that a huge portion of Christians are being sucked into the city of man, not even realizing how comprehensive, how profound, how life-changing it should be living as a faithful citizen of the city of God. In other words, you kind of like switch sides. Oh yeah, you go to church on Sunday morning, but what happens the rest of the week? What happens with your social life, your political life? When you go into the voting booth, how you manage your money, how you view world history, are, is it all city of man? Or are you living all week long, all your life, and every facet of it as part of the city of God? This is where worldview has such a dynamic impact on how we live. If you want to explore St. Augustine a little bit, because I can't do the city of God in 30 minutes, there's a book written by Christopher Dawson entitled Dynamics of World History. And part two, he has a section on Christianity and the meaning of history. 
and he basically delves into St. Augustine's City of God. You know, it's a real tragedy. You can graduate from a a Catholic high school, let's say, or an award-winning Catholic high school, or one of the leading Catholic universities, and people still don't know. I'm talking about on the level where they're living Monday to Friday or Monday to Saturday night, what's going on in our world, this intermediate state, and there are two existing societies, and they're at conflict with each other, and the two citizens live differently from each other. Now, if you're a concerned Catholic parent in today's world, you've probably heard something like this from your kids. Why are we always supposed to be so different? You see, this is a worldview question. It's not primarily a peer pressure question. It's a worldview question because If you are living with the vital knowledge that you're a citizen of the city of God and that you are living in an intermediate state, that this isn't always going to be here, the city of man is going to go away. It's going to be gone when the new heavens and the new earth comes here. And you are already a citizen of the new heavens and the new earth. You are already a citizen of the city of God. Therefore, your lifestyle coincides with that. And there are going to be others who aren't aware of that or who reject Christ, who are outside of that, who are going to live vastly different. These are the two cities. Now, I want to give you a scripture right along with 2 Corinthians 5.17, only two Bible verses that could literally change a life. And I'm not talking about just a uh, an emotional uh, need being met or something by a religious experience. I'm talking about your whole view of your life on this planet. In other words, what's happening in this world and what's my place in it? I've already given you 2 Corinthians 5.17, The second verse, and this is an incredibly important verse, is Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20. And this is one of those verses I call a a kind of a sleeper verse. You could read the Bible forever and ever kind of thing and just read over this and not really have any arresting experience. But let me read it to you. It says this, Philippians 3 verse 20, but our commonwealth is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Philippi, which was in Macedonia in the area we now of the world we now call Greece, Philippi was a Roman colony, and after a lot of the Roman wars, uh, they didn't necessarily want all these soldiers that now didn't have any wars to fight coming back into the city. That was kind of a little bit of a danger. Plus, Rome was getting crowded. So what they did is made a little Rome, so to speak. They made a Rome uh, outpost away from Rome, and that was Philippi. And these people, large numbers of people in Philippi could then have their citizenship as a Roman citizen. Okay, now, if you go back to Philippians 3.20, 
St. Paul speaking to people. This is their identity. Like if I was just sharing with you, like, you know, July 4th is our day, you would know what I'm talking about if you're an American, okay? When St. Paul says our commonwealth is in heaven, Philippians knew exactly what he was talking about. Their loyalty, their identity, their lifestyle, their, their whole world outlook was basically Roman away from Rome. And he's trying to show the Philippians what life is like to being a citizen of heaven while living in this intermediate state. And the mistake is often made here, though. Oh, our commonwealth is in heaven. And honestly, a lot of favorite flaky hymns, kind of like, oh, I've just longed to get away from here. That's not the point. And I'm going to quote New Testament scholar N.T. Wright on this. When Paul says we are citizens of heaven, many modern Christians misunderstand what he means. We naturally suppose he means so we're waiting till we can go up and live in heaven. But that's not what St. Paul says, and it's certainly not what he means. If someone in Philippi said, we are citizens of Rome, they certainly wouldn't mean, so we're looking forward to going and living there. That's not how a colony works. It works the other way around. And they didn't want the colonists coming back to Rome, especially the retired soldiers. That's my historical investigation. No, the task of a Roman citizen in a place like Philippi was to bring Roman culture Roman loyalty, Roman outlook, Roman citizenship to northern Greece and expand the Roman influence there. So when St. Paul says to the Christians, our commonwealth, our colony is in heaven from what we await a savior, he isn't talking about going up to heaven. He was speaking about, let's see, a prayer that we pray quite a bit. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is our worldview. This is the Lord's prayer. This is our entire outlook. And so here's our takeaway. Even though we are living as citizens of the United States, or if you're one of our listeners from the many countries listening, wherever that is, wherever your citizenship is, we already, that means right now in this present period of human history, we already have our primary citizenship in heaven, and we are to live already, right now, as citizens who are going to live on this earth in the age to come. In other words, the future has invaded the present, and this is to be the striking reality of living a Christian in today's world. This is what's happening in today's world, and it's staggering. And again, if what I'm saying sounds foreign, this is where you really need to appropriate your faith. Christianity affects everything in life and your whole view of life, your whole view of how to live your life. Now, let's talk about for a moment, because I'm particularly interested in assisting parents in teaching worldview and also gaining it for themselves. Ask yourself the question, where are Christian young people today most likely to gain a perspective on the proper manner of life? Where are they going to get it from? 
Well, I dare say uh, social media would be very high. Movies would be a profound influence. And of course, peers or friends. In other words, you just kind of get your outlook by looking around. But St. Paul is trying to tell us that something has changed. The new creation has come for those who have been baptized in Christ. And that means we have a different outlook. We have a different manner of life. We have a different loyalty. And just like the Roman citizens in Philippi, they weren't trying to escape Philippi, or they weren't trying to accommodate to some non-Roman customs and mannerisms and outlook. No, they were supposed to basically bring Rome to Philippi, to live it out as Roman citizens. And Paul is saying, you're a citizen of the future, and that future, the big surprise of Christianity, is that the future is now. You are to actually live it now. Now, let's try to make this, you know, really down to earth. This is a biggie, a lot of conflicts between young people and their parents, but let's talk about fashions, okay? Now, a Christian today would be very tempted to take whatever you see online or what you see in magazines or movies, and you say, okay, well, I'm a Christian, and that's over the top, so I'm just going to dial it back a few clicks, and presto, I'll be living a genuine Christian life. And that's not it at all, because you're basically looking at the city of man and trying to put a positive spin on it to try to determine how you're going to do something very practical, very meaningful in your life. No, we don't get our ideas of fashions by looking around. We look up and say, you know, how am I going to live my life in the new heavens and the new earth? That's how I should be living my life today. This is how worldview changes how you live. Or this is another one. Uh, A young person might say today, you know, okay, you're off at college. You say, well, most of my friends sleep with their boyfriends or girlfriends on the second or third date. I don't do that. I wait until we've been going together for at least six months. You see, this kind of outlook, and (laughs) don't just discount this, because this is how the majority of Christian youth are making moral decisions. They're looking at the city of man saying, well, yes, I'm a Christian. I want to be faithful to Jesus. So I'm just going to dial it back a few clicks. But if you dial it back a couple of clicks or a few clicks from what's going on in the city of man, you're still in the city of man. Your worldview is in darkness. We are children of the light. We have already experienced what the future is going to be like. It's invaded us. And St. Paul goes on in the next verse. He says, we await a Savior, the next verse, who will change our lowly body, because see, our bodies are already joined with Christ. We already have the hope of the resurrection and eternal life on the new earth for all eternity in us. It's already here. And so by the power which enables him to subject all things to himself, he will change our bodies. Therefore, brethren, whom I love and long for, stand firm in the Lord. You see, your view of eschatology 
and isn't just trying to read a crystal ball, the date of the second coming, which nobody can do. Your view of eschatology is how the future has invaded the now, how the future has come into your life, and how you orient your life because your commonwealth is in heaven. We aren't swayed by our culture, but we're grounded by our commonwealth. Our manner of life, our allegiance is to Christ, not the in crowd, our model of behavior, and that's why we're different, because we are living in a different situation. Now, I just need to mention this, and you want to find a lot more about this. You can find some of our episodes from Luke 21 Radio, where we study biblical prophecy. But remember, there's the old creation and the new creation in the future, and this surprising intermediate state in which Christians are living is when the future has invaded our lives. And the Bible teaches that towards the end of this intermediate period, the differences between the city of God and the city of man will become much sharper, and conflict between the two will be inevitable. So in other words, mom and dad, as well as your children, you are going to have to choose sides because as we go closer and closer to whenever that day will be when Christ returns, these two cities, the city of man and the city of God, will be in conflict and they will take on characteristics. The city of man will have all the characteristics of ancient Babylon or pagan Rome, and eventually it ends up being led by the Antichrist. And and we don't want to towards the end of the intermediate period, just dial it back a couple of clicks because that's a guarantee to end up in hell with the Antichrist and all those throughout the world who have fallen away from the true Christian faith and followed him. Uh, We are in the final stage of human history, and it's a wonderful one to be in Christ, but the practical takeaway for living in the city of God while a resident in the city of man, is this. It comes from St. Paul, and this is Romans 12, 2, where he says, don't be conformed to the world. In other words, don't let your lifestyle, don't let your outlook be shaped by your peers, by your culture, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. In other words, don't be conformed but be transformed. The Christian life isn't something static. Again, you're just staying the same and going to church on Sunday, but you're being transformed into the image of Christ. And to do that, some daily listening or reading of scripture will be a great help. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 203 of Faith and Family. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at dads.org to order copies of Faith and Family broadcasts and to learn more about Catholic family life.